This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. America presented by Mobile One, Kara Lamano alongside our crew chief, Steve Latard, and from Burton's Garage, 21-time Cup Series winner Jeff Burton. Once again, one of the big three wins on a mile-and-a-half track, Steve, but... The last mile-and-a-half track until the playoffs. And I think that's really going to be a big discussion. When you look at the summer and the schedule over the summer, the variety of tracks is really unbelievable. While Pocono, or excuse me, while Dollar can kind of races like a mile-and-a-half, it's its own animal. But, Jeff, we have flat tracks, road courses, high bank, <laughs> Bristol... The summer of NASCAR racing is always full of twists and turns and variety. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch how these teams navigate through this because, you know, even though some of these teams like Martin Truex Jr., they're already in the playoffs, it's still important for them to be getting those playoff points so they can't take off and say, well, you know what, Pocono's not a playoff race, Indy's not a playoff race, whatever. They still have to go earn points so nobody can let their guard down. That being said, it's so crazy to think about the fact that one of the big three has won on the last 13 straight mile and a half. And Saturday, of course, belonged to Martin Truex Jr. But there were a few twists and turns along the way. So let's go back and take a look at the race. Martin Truex Jr. on the pole. And CV had a great start to the night. He won both stages. He did, and it became very clear that the 78 had the best speed in the field. But nothing in racing is ever guaranteed. There were some issues along the way. The question was, could he overcome? Yeah, Jeff, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. had a rough weekend the weekend before and another rough night on Saturday. Yeah, I think Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was just looking for some calmness and he didn't get it early in the race. He got together, he and Jamie Murray got together, cut the left for retired, uh, put Ricky Stenhouse a lap down, a couple laps down. They clawed back, did not have a great finish and started out early going bad. Yeah, he would eventually finish in 26th place. He was in luck, Alex Bowman, the guy that's trying to take the last playoff spot. He's trying to take the last playoff spot from uh, a rough night as well. Yeah, 26 is better than last, and that's where Alex Bowman ended up here when he exploded a right front rotor, causing the right front tire to go flat into the wall. You could see the heavy, heavy damage. It was unrepairable, so the 88 had to retire from the race. You know, when we talk about Kyle Larson's night, it started out interesting. He would miss driver intros, forcing him to start at the back. I'm not sure I've ever seen that, Jeff. Well, it's inexcusable, to be honest with you, and he knows that. His team knows that. Uh, but Kyle Larson, in Kyle Larson fashion, you know, found a way. And this is, I think, a motivating factor for him is to overcome the mistake that he made. And he drove through the field, did a really nice job of being aggressive but meticulous. Ended up having a problem, though, driving to the front. He ended up giving some spots up later on, Steve. Yeah, and the team came to pit road to try a diagnosis. You see right here Ryan Blaney easily going by. Ended up being a track bar issue. 
for the 42. The team tried to crutch it with other adjustments, but it's never quite the same, Carolyn. Larson finished ninth. Take us through this two-tire strategy here. Steve. Well, at some point, you have to do something to try to beat the best car. Cole Pern and Martin Trex Jr. takes four tires wisely. They know they can win on four. Well, the two car says, I'm going to take right sides. I'm going to try to get some track position. It worked wonderfully. He actually held the lead for 37 laps, which, Jeff, I thought was impressive. I thought the 78 was going to run him down quicker than that. It worked for the two. Why not the 41? Well, I think they thought the same thing. It was so impressive. Why not try it for us, too? And uh, it ended up working for those guys as well. They, they got the lead for a little bit, but the fastest car, the best driver on that night, Martin Truex Jr., ended up getting by him and ultimately drove by him and also Blaney got by him as well. So a great gamble by the 41 just didn't quite work out for him. So Blaney with the only chance to catch Truex, but it just wouldn't happen as Martin Truex Jr. picks up his fourth win of the season, his first on a mile and a half this season. And then this is great at the end of the race. Forgot to put the e-brake on here, Steve. This car was so fast, <laughs> it wanted to run on it. Actually, I think it knows where Victory Lane is. It's down there on the other side of the front stretch. So the car says, listen, I don't need you. I know how to get to Victory Lane. I'm going to go on my own. That's a very valuable well, drive. I knew where Victory Lane was because Martin Truex didn't. He did. He got, he lost, got lost on his way. I know. We'll have more <laughs> on that. We'll have more on that when we from Twitter himself. I was just going to say, a very valuable driver on top of that moving vehicle. Um, so Truex dominated again at Kentucky. Uh, another strong night for the big three. Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick both winding up with top five finishes. Eric Jones followed up his breakthrough in at Daytona with a seventh place finish. That's his fourth consecutive top ten, by the way. And as for other notable finishes. Paul Menard finishing in 11th place and with Alex Bowman crashing out Saturday. Menard's playoff hopes getting a real boost here. We are going to talk a little bit more about that as well later on. But right now, let's relive Martin Truex Jr.'s burnout interview Saturday night. We'll let Martin Truex Jr. unbuckle. I think you ought to take these fans from Kentucky everywhere you go because they do pretty right by you, don't they? They sure do. We love coming here. Um, you know, I rode around on the golf cart today to go out and see all the auto owners people and um, I was just amazed by all the fans out there at the Midway and um, it looked like everybody's having a great time and so a lot of 78 gear. So I want to thank all of you for coming out, man. What a hell of a night this was. How about you? You told me earlier today, I need points. I need the lead laps. I need stage wins. I don't think you can do it any better than that, can you? That's what we try to do every single week, but um, it shows just how hard it is. You know, we, uh, we made it look easy last year, but it certainly wasn't. And, um, just hats off to my guys for uh, for sticking with me all year. We've uh, we've really been working hard on these race cars to try to figure it out, and we've had some great fans sticking behind us and a lot of partners that have made it happen. So, um, five-hour auto owners and you know, Bass Pro, Toyota, everybody that makes it happen. But most importantly, these fans for coming out. We wouldn't be here without them. Martin Truex Jr. remains third on the playoff leaderboard, but earned seven more playoff points for winning both stages and the race on Saturday. He now has 25 playoff points altogether. As for that last playoff spot, Alex Bowman still has it, but Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Paul Menard, uh, definitely closing in there. Uh, take a look at how dominant Martin Truex Jr. has been the last two years at Kentucky. He won both races. He won all four stages, giving him every playoff point available. Plus, he has led more than 60% of the total laps. He certainly has that place figured out. If you think about it, here's the thing. He won eight races last year, Steve, seven of those on mile-and-a-half tracks. This is the first mile-and-a-half win this year. What does that tell you? Well, it tells me that this team is starting to get back to the championship form they had last year. I thought they kind of had it. They had three wins. It wasn't a big surprise, but... Um, not in this same dominating fashion that we've seen. I think right now, if I'm Martin Trex Jr., I'm lobbying to move Kentucky somehow into the playoffs because he owns this racetrack. What he does at a very 
oddly shaped racetrack, a track that's very difficult to set up for, is quite amazing. It's not just the speed, but their execution. There are so many ways to lose a race. That's what people forget. You know, I keep hearing this narrative that the big three are guaranteed to go to victory lane. I can assure you I've lost a lot of races with the best race car, so it's very easy to do, yet Cole Pern and Martin Trex Jr. continue to find a way to do it. So as a crew chief, if you have a driver now who has won on all these different types of tracks and shown all this consistency, does that mean that Martin Truex Jr. is better this year than he was last year? I really do think he is. I know it's hard to believe that he could improve, but last year I thought he was just driving the absolute best race car, and I know that's the goal, but that's what he did. And last year at the mile and a half, he had the most speed, and he made it happen. Where this year, I think behind the wheel, he's actually doing a better job of driving a car that perhaps isn't the best. Now, he had the best in Kentucky, but throughout the year, we've seen Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, other people win. Truex continues to find a way to get up there and score the most points. Because in the end, while the playoffs are great, you know, everyone doesn't win every round. And points are valuable. Jeff Burton has said it. He's beat it in my head the last three years that, hey, winning's great, but points matter. And, and he's absolutely right. Jeff, something that may get lost in all this is the fact that he's a free agent at the end of 2018. What does that mean for the 78 team with Martin Truex Jr. performing the way that he is? Well, I think right now it doesn't mean a lot. I think that, that everybody is so focused and it's early enough in the year that you know, they're just focused on winning races, getting playoff points, getting prepared for the playoffs. If this were to continue and, and get into you know, September, where something's not done, well, then it start, you start to wonder, hey, what's going on? Uh, because when all parties want to make something happen, they find a way. Now, there are things that make it complicated, and there's a lot of money involved, and you know, if maybe they don't have all their sponsors in place or some things that have to happen. But ultimately, it's always dangerous when a caliber driver like Martin Truex Jr. isn't locked up. Because, you know, if, he, if he's not, then... You know, I don't know what his contract reads. Sometimes you have, a, you know, you have to give the owner a certain amount of time to get something done. After that time, then you can talk to other people. But you don't want his phone ringing. Uh, at the same time, you, you know, if, if you're Barney and the car, the car owner in that group, you also have to do things that make financial sense. So finding a way to make all that work, I'm sure that's what they're doing at the moment. But, you know, if this goes a couple more months and it doesn't get wrapped up, then I think... Uh, it's, it's a sign that there's something not exactly right in regard to putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. I don't for a minute believe that Martin Truex Jr. isn't happy there. I don't believe for a minute that Barney doesn't want him to be his driver. But could there be something on the business side of things that precludes it from happening? Only time will tell. Well, and Jeff, I think that's the thing. At this point, we talk about it because it's the only weakness we see in the 78. I mean, the 78 is going out and dominating this race at Kentucky and becoming one of the favorites for the championship. So, Carolyn, you have to just ask yourself, who else sees that? I mean, we're not the only people in the garage. We're not the only people watching these races. Uh, there are other car owners out there, very valuable car owners that – could see that Martin Truex could bring them some value. I think it really comes down to the business side and, and the desire. You know, there's something about that 78 team. They really fit with one another. So I don't expect it to be an issue, but you've seen sports your whole life. It, you know, what we expect doesn't always happen. Well, that's what I was going to say is money talks, right? Always money, most of the time money talks. But am I naive to think that the relationship that he has with Cole Pern, this underdog mentality that they've established, the fact that they're doing their own thing when everybody else is in Charlotte, that that is not of overwhelming value to a driver like Trex? Because I just look at this team and think that they have such a special chemistry. Oh, well, they do. Um, and I think so there should be no reason it, it, it's going to get done. But until someone tells me there's ink on paper, I, I, you're just going to have to talk about it. It's our job to report what possibly could be out there. I think the fact that this question was even asked 
imposed in the media center, put it on a lot of people's radar. So I think it would be wise for that team, and I'm sure they're thinking the same thing today. Let's go ahead and get this knocked off. Let's not talk about it into September. Carolyn, you brought, you brought up a really interesting point, and I think that does matter. I think that also if you go back and, and listen to what Martin Truex Jr. has said uh, about his car owner and his team, you know, remember that when his girlfriend, Sherry, was having, you know, so many problems with, with her cancer and going through all the treatments, and, uh, you know, Barney said, hey, look, you need to take, take some time off. Like, it's good. You know, he, he, he reached out to them. I think it's more of a relationship than just – an employee and an employer. I think it's bigger than that, and I think they respect each other a great deal. And I believe that every effort will be done to, to get that deal done. I, I think it will. You just want to see it done. It's such a successful uh, combination of crew chief, driver, car owner, uh, engineering. It's so successful. You don't want to see it get split up, and you just you just hope it gets done sooner rather than later. Because you know time has a way of making things change, and you just you don't want to see that happen. You know the the interesting part of the whole thing is. I think he's the right driver for that car. People are going to want him to come drive their equipment, but I think there's a lot of drivers that would want to be in that race car. I don't think Martin Truick knows that. So money does talk, but there's nothing worse than being a race car driver in subpar equipment. Right? You go out there to win. These guys go all across the country to win races, and he knows the equipment he has, the crew chief he has. You know, money's great, but those parts sometimes are invaluable. You cannot find them, and he has them all right now. So if I was his agent, I'd be getting the deal done as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, Steve, it's funny because on, on the way home uh, Saturday night, you and I had this conversation, and, and you know, we both were, uh, were talking about how this 78 car has become a place where about everyone in the garage will want to go, right? And, and you compare that to, to prior to Martin Truex getting there, uh, Kyle Busch, I'm sorry, Kurt Busch started it, but Martin Truex Jr. has finished it off. He, he and Cole Pern have put it in that position where that is a highly desirable seat as opposed to five years ago. Somebody said, hey, there's a team out in Denver, Colorado. You want to come drive for them? It was kind of like, well, I got nothing else, so yeah, I'll go drive it. But today, that, is, that would be a coveted spot because of the job they've done. And your point is, 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 is really, really smart because it's not just about the driver being in control. The car owner is in control, too, because they both have assets that other people would want. If you can believe it, it's oceanfront property in Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's going to want it. I always think about the fact that he had three career wins in 2016. Like, what a difference a couple years makes and an alliance makes and a great team makes where all the pieces seem to fit together. We'll see what happens with that. Meantime, we have got a huge show lined up for you today. Over the next hour, we're going to hear from both Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick. Neither driver seemed satisfied at the end of the night on Saturday. Was not the best night for Alex Bowman. Left early in stage two. Saw his points lead over Ricky Stenhouse shrink by 10. Brad Kozlowski and his two Penske teammates all finished in the top 10. Is there optimism for this team leaving Kentucky? And Christopher Bell, a rising star, won the Xfinity race. We're going to show you how a bunch of Xfinity regulars left an Xfinity legend in the dust over the weekend. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. It was smooth sailing for Scott Dixon in his third win of the season and his third win on the streets of Toronto, but it was chaos for the four championship contenders behind the points leader. Ryan Hunter Ray stuffed it in a turn three tire barrier early in the race. Alexander Rossi and Will Power both were involved in multiple incidents. And pole sitter Joseph Newgarden scraped the wall after botching a restart while leading. 
All that was good news for Dixon, who led the final 27 laps and finished ahead of Simon Paginot and hometown favorite Robert Wickens. Dixon now takes a commanding points lead into the final five races of the season as IndyCar resumes in two weeks at Mid-Ohio. Our thanks to Nate Ryan for that report and a reminder that next Verizon IndyCar Series race is going to air over on CNBC. Toronto winner Scott Dixon now heading to his most successful track. So the Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio is July 29th. And remember, that one's over on CNBC. We'll see you there. Meantime, let's get back to the playoff situation in the Cup Series. Let's take a look at how the playoff contenders fared on Saturday night. A lot of things switching around. The drivers who don't have a win yet and are not locked in. So here's a little bit about how things shaked out. Almost all of them padded their position relative to the cutoff line. You see Ryan Blaney there had a really good points night. He added 39 points to his cushion. Paul Menard picking up 32 points. Everybody did well except Alex Bowman, who exploded a rotor on lap 109, wasn't able to continue, so the 88 finished dead last. He lost 10 points. Still holds the final playoff spot, but not a great night for Alex Bowman. So, Steve, you look at this. Bowman is the catalyst for all of these other drivers who are able to pick up these points. How big of a missed opportunity is that for a driver like Ricky Stenhouse? I think it was major. I mean, to only gain 10 points on the driver who finished last in the field is a huge missed opportunity. When you look at drivers scoring 30, 40, 50 points each, even Paul Menard picked up over 30. So the chance was there to gain that bigger group, and he just didn't do it. So when I look at what uh, Ricky Stenhouse did, he really missed probably 15 or 20 points. I know it was a flat tire, and you, there's always a reason, but in the end, you have to make the playoffs. You have to go out there and take it from Alex Bowman, who's put himself in that position. I just think the 17 missed, missed a good chance this weekend. Jeff, what do you make of Paul Menard's ability to finish in 11th place and really capitalize on a situation like this? It's not the first time that we've seen good yeah. stuff from Menard this season. Yeah, I think we, we uh, honestly, I think we undercovered Paul Menard a little bit Saturday night. He, he, uh, he's so quiet. He just, you know, he just kept himself there all night and, and they performed well. They had good stage finishes. They did what they needed to do. And uh, this team is starting to get a little better every single week. And uh, I find it very interesting that back there for that 16th spot, it's really a, a fight of mediocrity, to be honest with you. And who is going to uh, not mess up. That's really what it's starting to look like uh, because we don't see any great big surge from Hendrick coming. Uh, I just don't see it. So if you go from Chase Elliott to Daniel Suarez, you know, who can perform? Ryan Newman and Suarez have gotten themselves so far out in points. I don't know if they can get there, but Paul Menard can. So if Paul Menard can continue the runs like he had, if he can get top 12 from here till, till pass Indy, he'll get in because the guys that he's chasing uh, really aren't going to be able to knock that down. In my opinion, that's not what they've shown so far. So uh, I think Paul Menard has a great shot here. I think, his, I think Penske is starting to run better. I think that's going to help Paul Menard. And uh, it won't surprise me one bit. Matter of fact, I'll go ahead and say it. I think Paul Menard will make the playoffs down there in that 15th, 16th range. Well, Jeff, and you're only talking about points. We haven't even mentioned the possibility of A.J. Allmendinger or somebody outside, Ryan Newman, getting a win. I know Newman has showed none of the speed that we think you need to go up and pass the leader, but I wouldn't pass that 31 team. Fuel mileage, good pit strategy, two tires at the end of the race. A.J. Allmendinger, I think, will be a car to beat at Watkins Glen. He was as good as he was at Sonoma, a track where he statistically doesn't run the best. I think he's going to show up and lead laps at the Glen. That has to add pressure back to the driver on the cut line. 
So if you're just going back to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. here, and Jeff said it's a battle of mediocrity or basically everything matters when you're looking at this bubble and how volatile it can be. Is this a big enough deal with the number of races that we have left in the regular season where Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is going to be looking back at these last two weeks, these two weeks that we've just seen and said, you know what, that missed opportunity made the difference at a really fast car the week before that was the difference. I think that's a distinct possibility. The other distinct possibility, stages. Do not sleep on the stages in the next seven weeks. While at the mile and a half, they kind of fell pretty straightforward and the fastest car won them. We saw at Sonoma, every leader pitted before the end of a stage. Left those stage points out there for someone to win. I think that if you're Brian Patty in the 17, you're Alex Bowman with crew chief Greg Ives, you have to look at somewhere like New Hampshire, which may have a lot of yellows. You could stay out, hurt yourself at the finish of the race, but get some stage points. Watkins Glen, the strategy would have you pitting before the stages. Michigan, maybe not. Bristol, for sure, you could pit around a stage break. So there's going to be opportunities in there where you truly start to points race. And points race inside a race now that gives points out at the end of stage one, stage two. So... I don't think you want to sleep on those stage finishes. I think they're going to be very exciting from here to Indy. Yeah, Brian Patty laid the groundwork for that last year and, and, and the year before. Like, he was very, very creative uh, in getting points in the playoffs. He did that last year, and I, I think you're going to have to see more people doing that. I, I Again, I, I, I just question if those guys back there, the way they're running right now, if it's about performance – or is about gaining points. And I know that sounds the same, but it's not. You can, you can trick your way into better finishes than you deserve by using the right strategy. And none, none of them have really shown the ability to go and race their way into a top five. So I think strategy, uh, pit, the good pit stops at the right time, driver having good restarts, uh, strategy at the right time, all those things are going to matter so much because it's going to come down to a few points whether you make it or not. Jeff, the real question for me is you look at the 48 of Jimmy Johnson, Chad Canals re-signed for two more years. Do they care about the playoffs? We know they do, but at this point, you mentioned it. Are they worried about the playoffs or are they just worried about getting faster? I think they're not thinking playoffs. They're thinking if we can't get our cars faster, the playoffs won't matter. Well, I think that that's the reality of the situation. But if you're a seven-time champion, crew chief, and driver, to not make the playoffs would be uh, catastrophic. I mean, that's that's horrible to not make the playoffs if you're, you know, if you've had the success. So I think that they're doing both. I think that they are going to have to. I, well, I think the proof of that was Saturday night. I think the strategy that they played, uh, really mimicking what the creative strategy that Penske teams have been able to pull off. Uh, really mimicking what they do, that showed me that they are trying to gain points, that they do recognize the situation they're in. They're playing the game differently. They weren't trying to win the race using that strategy. They were trying to find a way to get some track position and get points in some form or fashion. So I think they, have, uh, they understand now the situation they're in. I don't think they understood that in March, but they've adjusted their strategy accordingly. So I think making the playoffs is important to them. I mean, just quickly before we go to break, since we opened up this Hendrick Pandora's <laughs> box, and you know, and, and you know Hendrick better than anybody. I mean, I have to pose that same question to you: that whether or not you have seen anything that leads you to believe that they are going to find something that they seemingly haven't found. I think what I've seen, I, I think they continue to bring new equipment, and yet it has it has yet to move the needle. So I think that at this point. 
It's not a lack of effort. They just don't know what part or piece it is that they're lacking. So I've yet to find anything that's going to move the needle anytime over the summer. All right. We know three drivers who don't seem to be lacking much. They haven't <laughs> seemed to be lacking anything so far this entire season. The 2018 season has been dominated by three names, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex Jr. So when we come back, we are going to examine the big three success and those who could potentially challenge their supremacy. Stay with us for that. Welcome back, everybody. Over the next three weeks, some of NASCAR's biggest stars are going to be at the Big Oak Table for Wednesdays with Dale Jr. The fun starts this Wednesday at 6 Eastern with Kyle Busch, and it continues July 25th with Chase Elliott, and then reigning Cup Series champ Martin Truex Jr. on August 1st. So make sure you circle your calendars for all those episodes right here on NBCSN. Meantime, let's get back to the big three for a minute, if we can. Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., and Kevin Harvick have separated themselves from the pack this season with Truex's win Saturday in Kentucky, the big three have now scored 14 victories in the first 19 races, and their consistency has been incredible. 40 top five finishes. They've also combined to lead more than 2,500 laps. All that front running has given them the top three totals in playoff points. Kyle Busch currently leading with 30. It's been incredible to watch. It's the type of domination that calls to mind past performances like Richard Petty, David Pearson, Cale Yarbrough from back in the 70s. But despite the bar that Truex and Bush and Harvick have set, there are a number of teams who now say that they are starting to make some inroads. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Um, Cole, this, I, I know this may seem like a kind of a, a weird question to ask on a night where you guys won both stages and win the race in, in a dominant fashion, but some of the competitors feel like that they're starting to close the gap a little bit on you guys. Is that kind of a, is that kind of a wishful thinking on their part? I mean, how do you feel about tonight? I mean, obviously, in one sense, it looks like it was quite a butt kicking, but there seems to be some hope in the garage, or at least they seem to be expressing that. Are they, are they just fooling themselves? Uh, I don't know. I, I just think, you know, for us, we've just been trying to push forward, trying to catch the guys that we feel have been a little bit better than us. So I think, uh, you know, in our own little world, um, you know, trying to catch the 4 and 18 has been, uh, has been a challenge, and we've just been plugging away at it. And to, to get over that hump tonight um, was, uh, was a good feeling. We've been good, not great this year. Um, and this is a sport of great. <laughs> you know, you got to be great to win. And uh, we're, this is the closest we've been to great this year on the mile and a half. Well, you know, appreciate what we've done on our mile and a half program. Of we've gotten it a lot better, but it's not good enough. Um, so yeah, there there are positives, and then things we can work on as well. So um, I wouldn't say we're frustrated or defeated. Um, I mean, I might be a little down just because I wanted to win the race, but uh, you know, you go back and, and you, you realize that uh, you've made gains, and uh, you just got to keep making those. So, Jeff, you saw Cole Pern's reaction when Dustin Long, our reporter on um, our website, asked him that question. Some other teams seem like they're getting close. He seemed really surprised. But you mentioned Penske in the last segment of the show. How far away do you really think they are from catching the big three? Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to look at one race and say, hey, at this one race, they certainly made some gains. But I don't know if it's fool's gold or not. I, this is a race for a racetrack where Keselowski has three wins. And, and – you know, they didn't win. So does that mean that they're actually not as good as we think they're going to be? So I don't know. I think the fact that Blaney ran so well, uh, I think that's sign of optimism. Menard ran so well, I think that's sign of optimism. So, yeah, I think they've made some gains. But, 
I hate to make assumptions on one race. I want to see what happens over the next three or four races and to really understand where they are. Uh, because right now, you know, if with just a little bit of speed, uh, Blaney could have won on Saturday night. He just needed a little bit. Finding that next little bit is very hard, but he was so close. I think there is sign for optimism. Jeff, you're going to laugh. So Brad's a friend of mine, as, a, as he is yours. And rarely, if ever, will I say this. <clears throat> but Brad was 100% right. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's hard for me to even say. It's so hard for me to even say I agree with Brad. But Brad was 100% right. Their cars are good. Unfortunately for Brad, there's a lot of good cars in the field, and, and it takes a great car. I think that the 12 had a great car for Penske Racing um, Saturday night in Kentucky, and even that, Carolyn, wasn't enough to overcome the 78. So I hear what Jeff's saying, but we said at the top of the show, I, I want to make sure we remind everybody of this, the last mile and a half, what does that mean? Well, that means that the big three don't have anywhere they can go and win races that continue if, if that's their best thing. But it also means all these other teams trying to catch up have no mile and a half to test the next car. You and I have had this conversation. Organizations continue to build new cars like Apple continues to build iPhones. There's new ones, version A, version B, version C. You bring those to the racetrack. You run them to find improvements. Well, with no mile and a half from now until the playoffs start, where do you test these cars? You can bring them to, say, Michigan or in Indianapolis or Darlington, but they're still not the same. So it's going to be hard for the teams that are playing catch-up to continue to catch up because their they're proving grounds no longer exist through the summer. It was fascinating to hear what Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick had to say after Saturday night because they both had top fives, but neither of them sounded satisfied. Let's play what they had to say after the race. I don't know what uh, what we were missing, but uh, the Snickers Camry was good. It was a top five car. I thought it was a top two car there for a while, and then the, the 12 was, was pretty strong there. But it kind of just depended on where people kind of lined up after a restart, and then that was kind of the way it, it set after that. But um, overall, a decent night for us. You know, we, uh, we made up, I think, a point or maybe two points on the four. So uh, that's all you could ask for. But we lost some, obviously, to the 78. So... We'll just keep plugging along and um, keep trying to keep this points lead. And you mentioned those restarts. I saw you get loose once or twice in the restarts. Are they just crazy? Every time. I don't know why. Just I get off into turn one and it just <laughs> chatters the rear tires and um, you just you just can't hang on. You just got to stop. And uh, I plugged up the bottom on the second one because I wasn't just going to lose ten spots like I did the, the first time, you know. So the guys behind me obviously had to suffer through that. But um, you know that's that's uh, it's a product of what I had going on tonight. Fifth place finish for Kevin Harvick, and if you can believe it, his first ever top five finish here at Kentucky Speedway. Is this a, a positive step in, in the right direction? <laughs> I guess you could you could look at it that way. Our, our bush light forward was was good. We we just never uh, got all the way to the front, and then the last run we got got too loose, and that was our worst run of the night. And then I hit the wall, and that that pretty much ended it. So um, definitely not my favorite place. No. All right. Well, on a night like this, when you see the 78, we're always talking about the big three. What goes through you, your mind when you see him dominate on a mile and a half where you and Kyle Busch have previously been winning all those type of races? We've never dominated here, so I don't pay much attention to this place. Okay, so Kevin Harvick really not even willing to acknowledge the question that Kelly Savas posed to him, which was essentially about this notion well, there's this a concept why. of the big three. That, well, that'd be giving the 78 an advantage. What well, he really did was just discount the whole race. No, we're not going to count yeah, this one. It's, yeah, we're not, this one doesn't count. Right. But I want you and also Jeff to 
to kind of read between the tea leaves here because this seems like it's got a lot of layers. And when I listen to two drivers who both had nights in the top five, I hear drivers who are frustrated and that winning is the only thing that is going to be good enough. And also this mention of the 15 extra points. We lost a point here. He picked up a point there. I mean, what does all of this tell you about the mentality of the big three? Well, so there's a lot of details. You mentioned the points and the different things, but I wrote down a simple word as they were all talking. That's mindset. We talk a lot about momentum and will this win or good run move something forward. And all we're talking about in that is the mindset of the team, the mindset of the driver heading into an event. And what you saw right there was the mindset. The reason they're the big three is because of the stats. But the reason they could put those stats on the board is because Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick, when they go to the racetrack, they unload to win. They don't unload to have a good run in the top five. You saw Kevin Harvick when she mentioned that, hey, this is your first ever top five, disgusted that that's even the truth because he expects to go and win every single week. He knows he can't, but he's not willing to admit that. He wants to convince himself, his race team, and the competitors that he feels he can win every week. And Jeff, as a race car driver, that has to be your number one goal. As a crew chief, I try to convince my team we can win every week because this sport will basically chew you up and spit you out if you show any sign of weakness. So you have to be a little perhaps crazy and think you can win every race. Well, you have to go into every event. You can't look at the year as one big thing. You have to look at each event individually. So, you know, if you're if Kevin Harvick said it, going to Kentucky, I think if you would have said to him before the race, hey, this is a place you haven't run well, uh, but you're going to go there and you're going to get this finish and finish here in the stages, would that be an okay night? I think he would have said okay. But in the time you go there, you're also still thinking, okay, we're good enough to overcome this. We're good enough to be better here. And you're also working on little problems, right? So in my eyes, you know, Kevin Harvick and Roddy Childers and his team, they know they got to have better pit stops. And they're probably disappointed because they didn't see that Saturday night, right? So uh, Kyle Busch and his team, they know they need to be area better in some areas that we may not even know. And maybe they didn't see that. But you have to look at each individual race as you're going to win. When you can't win, you got to get the best finish you can out of it. And that's what we heard from Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch, you know, was a little disappointed that he didn't win. Here's why we didn't win. But we gain points on Harvick. So those are the things that you have to do. You can't just quit. You can't just say, well, we can't win, so I'm going to quit. You're not afforded to do that. Even these teams that have already won races, that's why I love this point system. The teams that have already won races cannot take the night off. And if this was several years ago where it didn't matter, it would have been, well, you know, we finished for it. It's okay, no big deal. But that's not the case now. Every race matters, and that's why you see that look and sound of disappointment. Yeah, it's a great point. We'll leave it there because we do have to revisit Friday's Xfinity Series race at Kentucky when we come back. It was a great one. Christopher Bell standing tall at the end of the night was not the only Xfinity regular to outrun the series all-time wins leader Kyle Busch. Highlights of that up next. Stay with us. Sunday, old-fashioned racing, New England-style, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series racing on the challenging Magic Mile in New Hampshire. Two Eastern right here, NBCSN, that is where you need to be. And our race broadcast is going to be very unique, too. Steve and Jeff and Dale stepping their game up. They're going to be part of our NBC race team broadcast. This is really fun for the fans. You guys have such a wealth of experience, and you are going to take over. I glad they're going to have fun because I'm scared to death. <laughs> I know it's going to be a blast to sit up there, but um, 
you know, Rick does a really good job of keeping the three of us in line, and somehow we're going to do it without Rick up there keeping us in line. So there's really no telling that what could possibly happen without the three. I have a feeling that you're a very type A as a crew chief. <laughs> Jeff, am I fair in saying that? That if one person is going to take the reins as part of our race team with this wealth of experience, that it may have to be Steve because he can't help himself as a crew chief. He's going to have to start calling the well, shots here. But what happens is when the race starts, all three of us completely lose our minds about the competition, <laughs> and Rick's the one that has to, like, pull on us and say, hey, you need to focus. And so <laughs> I'm concerned without Rick's leadership where we're going to end up. Uh, one of the fun things about this, though, is that uh, if, if you've been watching how we do stuff, we move around all the time, practices, and we're all kinds of different places. The one person that hasn't moved around is Rick. So it's going to be fun to see him go do something on pit road where you know he hasn't been before i think that's going to be awesome to see that's a fun experience to go move around and see things differently and and it's going to be fun i hope it's hot i hope it's like 96 97 this weekend It'll be fun to mess with him that we have air conditioning he doesn't. <laughs> rick's going to be providing valuable insight um, from pit road and this is just a one-time special thing from what we can tell so everybody just calm down rick's going to be back at the helm i'm not going to work with two soon. drivers by yeah. myself two drivers <laughs> no way best of luck um rick was with you guys both for the xfinity race on friday night so let's go back to what happened there and show you the highlights just in case you missed it christopher bell started in the rear he spun, actually, in the final round of qualifying. He was pretty lucky not to get into the wall, but he did have to make a tire change, which is why he went to the back. But he was able to rally late. The rookie made pass after pass, climbed his way back. 17 laps to go. He passed Justin Allgaier for the lead, and he led the final 17 laps of the race. He would ultimately hold off Daniel Hemrick to take his second win of the season. It was the third Xfinity win of the 23-year-old's career. That was pretty special, man. I just, I've been keep, keep making mistakes and I, I, I'm really, I just, I've been feeling really bad for my team. Everyone at Joe Gibbs Racing has been working really hard to build really fast race cars. And then I made another mistake there in qualifying that uh, I didn't know if I was gonna be able to get back here on this repave, but this Reem Camry was strong enough where we were able to get by those guys. And uh, it just was working really good on the bottom of three and four over there. So. Uh, hats off to Daniel, man. I know he's been trying really hard to get a NASCAR win here for a long time, and he, he's been really close. So uh, it's going to come down to Homestead, and it's going to be a good one. So with the win, Christopher Bell jumps to the top of the Xfinity playoff leaderboard, followed by fellow winners Justin Allgaier and Tyler Reddick, Elliott Sadler, Daniel Hemrick, best among the winless driver. They are tied for the overall points lead. Interesting story. Some of these top Xfinity regulars, Christopher Bell, Justin Allgaier, Daniel Hemrick, outrunning the Xfinity legend in Kyle Busch, who ultimately shows up at many of these races and is able to dominate because he is so talented. Well, these guys are proving why they should be considered championship contenders. When you look at Allgaier and Bell, they're really head-to-head, -head, just continue to battle each other. Then you throw John Hunter Nemechek, who had a great car, didn't make it to the finish, but he did a great job as well over the course of the evening. You know, So there's a lot of great young stars. Daniel Hemrick. You could see the disappointment. He thought he was going to get himself or at least had a chance to win the race. I actually think he had the race-winning car. He just self-admittedly made a mistake on the fi uh, final restart, lost the lead there. So, uh, you know, that's what this series is all about, is giving them experience. But it was nice, refreshing, to see them not pass Kyle Busch with strategy, but just pass him right on the racetrack. Yeah. It, was, it was an interesting and view. And Jeff is not even taking anything away from the dominance that we've seen from Kyle Busch. It's just something that we have not seen that much of. Well, you know, we keep saying that, but he's only won one race this year. I mean, you know, Kyle Busch 
he can only run eight, I believe, as a rule. I think he's run seven. Uh, but he's only won one race. So, you know, it's the tide has changed. The, 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 you know, the fact that he can run less races, right, that's a major factor that in the number of races he can win. But I think other teams have also stepped up their game. Uh, the Gibbs dominance isn't as great as it was a year ago. I think that if you look at, at, at Junior Motorsports, they've stepped their game up. Childress has definitely stepped up their game uh, with Daniel Hemrick. Uh, you know, so and I think Ganassi stepped up their game. So I think other teams have made their cars better and their drivers are doing well too. So we're not seeing that Kyle Busch dominance, but I think it's for, for multiple reasons. Well, Jeff, you bring up a great point, and that is that these cup drivers, if they're going to win races, they better get them soon because Carolyn – they cannot run in the playoffs. They cannot run that cut race. So we talk about the young stars of Xfinity. They're going to be on full display when we get to the second half of their season into the playoffs. Yeah, no, Jeff does bring up a good point. You think of Kyle Busch's entire body of work in the Xfinity series, but maybe limited races and some of these young drivers, the tide's changing a little bit, and that would be a good thing. All right, we are going to go back to the Cup Series coming up. We are going to hear from the 78 pit crew. They turned in a spectacular performance to help Martin Truex Jr. roll to victory at Kentucky. Pit crew review next right here on NASCAR America. This is going to be a finish we'll be talking about. Here comes the 18. On your door, on your door. And Kevin Harvick's going to win. That's a teammate right there, everybody. A dozen cars will crash and collide. Sparks fly. Puts the ball oh back of him. Kyle Busch will win. <laughs> wow. Playoff points so important. More points going to Mark Trex Jr. Get pussy, baby. Come on. So we're three races into NASCAR on NBC's half of the schedule. We have seen a number of wild moments already. You've seen them up close and personal. Um, Saturday, though, in Kentucky, it was all about Martin Truex Jr. So let's give the 78 team their due in our pit crew review. Martin Truex Jr. caps off a dominating performance tonight by going back-to-back here at Kentucky Speedway. Way to be, way to be, way to be, picture. Great night, guys, great night. Man, the guys had a super fast car tonight. It was dominant, as everybody saw. And the really cool thing is our pit crew came together and had some really fast stops and running up front against the 18 and the two guys. And those guys are really good pit crews, and our guys held water. Um, I feel like we all turned a corner tonight, and it was really good effort on the track and on pit road. And couldn't ask for a better night. Another impressive night for the 78 team, grabbing their fourth win of the year. Saturday marked the fifth time over the last six races that the squad had zero pit road violations. And after the race Saturday, Martin Truex Jr. said, I am just the lucky guy who gets to drive the car. Perfect sentiment for that team. Their chemistry is so strong. Truex, one of the drivers who tested on the Roval last week. Tomorrow on NASCAR America, we're going to bring you all kinds of reports and interviews. We have the second round of Roval testing at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So make sure you're with us for that. Because remember, the Roval is one of these big wild cards in the playoffs. It serves as the elimination race for the opening round of 16. The race is September 30th. 16 teams tested last week and about that many are going to be on track tomorrow so we have marty snyder there reporting for us but if you happen to be in the charlotte area remember that the testing is open to the public it's free of charge is this the type of track steve in the playoffs that could shake up 
the big three's chances of making it to Miami. Well, absolutely, Carolyn. When you see the cars going around the Roval, it's almost like a street course. I know that sounds odd, but there's just no runoff. So it's very easy to get into the wall if you have an issue. So if you look at the playoffs, Talladega, the Roval, and Martinsville in that next-to-last round right before Miami, I don't think that the three in any way, shape, or form are guaranteed to make Miami. Everyone's ready to put the big three in Miami in the Final Four. I'm not. There's way too many challenges along the way. I am confident that all three won't be at Homestead. You are saying all three of those drivers are not going to be at Homestead? It's too hard. There's too many other good teams. Remember, Kyle Busch won a championship, and he didn't even race for months that year with broken legs. Jimmy Johnson won a championship. He was nowhere near the favorite. So much happens over the course of the playoffs. Look, we both love sports. Playoffs. No one knows what happens in the playoffs. I can't believe you just said that. Just All right, we're going to, excuse me, we're going to mark it down. When we come back, we're checking in on our NASCAR America Fantasy League. Uh, Saturday likely for some people to make some very tough choices. Um, if you're playing along, we're going to see how our analysts fared when we come back. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. More points going to Mark Trex Jr. as he wins in Kentucky. Welcome back, everybody. So here's hoping, fingers crossed, that you had Martin Truex Jr. on your team in our NASCAR Fantasy Live League. As for our broadcasters, Nate Ryan still leading after Saturday night's race in Kentucky and his stage two is coming to a close. Our analysts had some tough choices to make. Kozlowski comes to mind. Big strategy call. You may, I think you might have made an error here. I did. I mean, as soon as I move him out of the, uh, out of the lineup into the garage and replace <laughs> him with Blaney, he comes out, it comes out, and you know, leading after the pit stop. And Rick, he's slow playing it, but it was a head in hands <laughs> moment. It was a big deal. Well, I made the same mistake. I oh. also, I also took Keselowski out of my lineup and put him into the garage. You know, this happened to me not too long ago when I was listening to what you guys were saying with our NASCAR America Fantasy Advice, and I put Kyle Busch in my garage, yeah. and he ended up winning the race. So I think we're going to have to really rethink here how we make these decisions. They're tough. They're I, tough in a race like this. I just want to be clear that I wasn't exaggerating. I was over the day I was on his phone, and then the two-car got track position, Jeff, and I looked over, and he was like this. And I was like, is it that bad? Oh, my fantasy team, it's gone bad. That's what he told me. So, Jeff, are you guys paying attention in meetings here, or is this just full fantasy focus over the course of the race? I'm impressed with the way that everybody's multitasking. We do a lot of things other than talk about the race. Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Um, yeah, I, I did the same thing. I, I, had, I had Boyer, I had a Boyer Keselowski decision to make, and I put Boyer in. And he, which actually worked out for me. I thought it was wrong when Keselowski got those, that position, but Boyer actually gained one more point than Keselowski. So I, I actually did the right thing for once. Two things I know is that Rick Allen can't win again. 
If that happens, we should all be completely disappointed. And the next show I do with you, you're going to have to tell me which of the three don't make Miami. I'm going to make you make that decision. Oh, yeah. So in the last segment, I thought that Steve was saying She that thought I went completely crazy. I thought Steve went completely nuts, Jeff, and said that none of those guys was going to Miami. He just meant that it might not be all three of them going to Miami. Either way, it still sounds pretty nuts to me, but you heard it here first. That's all for NASCAR America. For all your NASCAR news, log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. We'll be back Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you then same time, same place. Thanks for watching. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.